Before I get into my homily, I would like to just offer a word of welcome to all the women that are on our official Abbey, uh, Abbey Women's Retreat. So it's good to have you here all weekend. We have been studying the life of St. Benedict, and we've had a very good weekend in examining what St. Benedict can teach us about our daily lives. So it's great to have you here. Look forward to the next one. This is, after this, uh, the retreat will be ending. I would like to share with you a story about a little boy named Jack. Jack was nine years old. Uh, he had cerebral palsy. And I've had the privilege over my life to get to know several people with cerebral palsy. Uh, one of the lessons they always end up teaching me is that they can fall and get back up again. And they fall and get back up again. And they fall and get back up again, over and over and over again. And that is a great lesson for us in our spiritual life, isn't it? It's a great lesson for us to learn how to handle our falls. So Jack was, uh, he had a walker, and he would walk around with uh, his license plate on the walker said his name, Jack. And he was very afraid of strangers, very shy. So he would march right up to a stranger, stick his hand down and say, Hi, my name's Jack, what's yours? And I have to say that his hugs could change the world. Just amazing little boy who just loved greatly. Now, he was making his first Holy Communion. I still remember that day. I probably think of him today partly because of the gospel with the Good Shepherd and the tenderness that that gospel has, but also because around this weekend is the time in parishes to celebrate first Holy Communions. In fact, St. Benedict's Parish is doing it this weekend. So I think about my experience working with second graders to teach them how to receive their First Holy Communion. Many stories there, but Jack comes, out, come, comes to my mind, is forefront in my mind. The following weekend, he was sick. So his mother called me and asked if I would come to uh, their house to bring him his Second Holy Communion. But before... He, before he could receive communion, he wanted to go to confession. Nine years old. He wanted Jesus. He wanted to go to confession. He wanted Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Jack believed in the real presence of Christ. And I've seen this time and time and time again with second graders who believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, believe that uh, the bread and wine changes into the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ our Lord. But they can't explain it. They can't even pronounce the word transubstantiation. In fact, most of us probably can't either, or even spell it. And yet children believe very easily. They believe so very simply. And as we grow up, we have so many doubts, and we want to explain everything away, and we stop believing that easily. That is why we must be like little children in order to inherit the kingdom of God. And so Jack believed in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. But I think he believed not just in his real presence, but he also believed in the Good Shepherd. Now, this is an interesting point. When we think about the Good Shepherd, we think of very nice, warm, fuzzy images of line drawings of Jesus as the good shepherd surrounded by sheep, maybe with a nice white fluffy sheep on his shoulders. And 
I have to admit, they don't really attract me or draw me very much. And I think the reason for that is I find it very hard to relate to. Because here I am with my knee problems, my ankle problems, vision problems, spiritual problems, and these nice white fluffy sheep I can't relate to. Because they don't have broken legs or bad legs or spiritual problems. And then what about the shepherd? Could I relate to the shepherd? Yes, he's warm and tender and nice, but even that becomes a little bit difficult. I think the reason why people like Jack or people who, have, who fall often and get back up again, they would rather prefer a different kind of an image. The image that is actually in our gospel reading today. And it's a line that is often overlooked. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. This is a good shepherd who died for us. This is a good shepherd who rose from the dead. This is a good shepherd who still bears the marks of his passion in his resurrected body. I've never seen that image of the good shepherd with the marks of the passion, the sheep who are struggling in life, being attracted to this good shepherd. The only image of that that I see is hanging above the altar right now. That's the image of the good shepherd that draws me. And I think perhaps that's true for Jack as well. This is an image of, a, of someone who has gone through brokenness and has risen from the dead, and we can relate to him. We can unite our sufferings to that of his. We can receive hope for him, from him, because he overcame that suffering. He overcame death. If you want to think of in terms of a knight in shining armor, this is not it. Jesus is not the knight in shining armor. In fact, ladies, uh, this is a word of advice from me to you. If you're looking for a knight in shining armor, give up now. A knight in shining armor is useless. A knight in shining armor is an idiot. I will give him a mop and tell him to mop the monastery floor before I give him anything more important to do. Because a knight in shining armor hasn't been in the arena, hasn't fought the good fight. I would rather take the knight whose armor is battered and he's bruised and there's dirt on that armor and uh, his, his nose has been broken a few times. Someone who's been in the arena, who has fought the good fight, who has seen battle, I would trust him. And this knight in shining armor is still standing. And not just still standing, but one who has risen from the dead. That gives me hope that one day there shall be a meaning to my suffering. And perhaps not just one day, but right now there is meaning to my suffering. Because that meaning starts now. St. Paul says, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. And so when it is revealed, we will understand. But even now we see Christ who has risen from the dead, who bears the marks of his passion. We can relate to him. So how can we relate to him? What is the best way to relate to him? Perhaps this is about an alignment of wounds. Now you remember Divine Mercy Sunday was just fairly recently, just two weeks ago. And we see Christ 
who has died, and his side is pierced open with a lance, and out flows blood and water. Perhaps I must face him in such a way to receive that blood and water, not just receive him so that it washes over me, but it enters into me through my own wounds. It's almost like you put a cup under a faucet and water's not going in, well, maybe because the cup's upside down. The cup is sideways and water is flowing over the handle. You have to actually align the opening to the, to the faucet so that water can come in. Likewise, we must face the Lord with our woundedness in open, honest nakedness so that the blood and water, so that his love and mercy can flow into us, us through our wounds. This is a God who has done all this for us. And we can approach him. He is approachable. He is this good shepherd who wants to nourish his flock. And he does it through his passion, death, and resurrection. I think this nine-year-old boy, he couldn't explain it, but he kind of understood it. He had a lot of sufferings in his life. He had a lot of issues in his life. And that day, when I brought him his second Holy Communion, he wanted Jesus. He wanted Jesus. That image will always stay with me. Why would a nine-year-old boy want Holy Communion? He believed that this good shepherd was coming to him in his weakness, in his suffering, because he can see that this resurrected good shepherd is one who has been in the arena and has fought the good fight. Therefore, perhaps I can survive that too. What I propose to you is the theological reason why we should relate uh, to him who has walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He walked it before us, and he came out the other side. Note our collect for this Mass. Almighty, ever-living God, lead us, to share, lead us to a share in the joys of heaven, so that the humble flock may reach where the brave shepherd has gone before. Where the brave shepherd has gone before. Now, Jack's story, unfortunately, does not have a happy ending. Uh, one day, Jack went to his grandfather's cabin, and he went down to the lake alone, and he fell in and never came out again. I have to admit that was the hardest funeral I've ever done in my life because everyone loved Jack. I loved Jack. It was hard to see that happen. I almost didn't want to mention this in my homily, uh, simply because it would sidetrack my message, but I think it also ties in with the message. Because at that Mass for his funeral, what I said was that I couldn't, I couldn't preach anything except what the Mass really is. We come to the altar with our tears, with our sorrows, and the priest offers that to the Father in union with Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we receive, when we give our tears, we receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ. He feeds us with himself. Here is not only a good shepherd who has fought the good fight, he has gone through death. So if we carry sorrow in our hearts, we can put that on the altar, give it over to the God for whom death is not a stranger to him. So that this God understands what death is because he has experienced it in Christ on the cross. And in his resurrection, uh, we see that he has come through the other side. It gives us hope in death.
gives us hope in bereavement, gives us hope in sorrow. So this is the lesson the Good Shepherd can teach us when we understand that this Good Shepherd has been resurrected from the dead. Now, as a former pastor, I saw this in the lives of the children, in several stories and examples and images of the children. They couldn't explain the theology behind it, but children believe so very simply. What about you? What about us? Do we believe that strongly? Do we need to pray to the Lord today to have a childlike faith so that we may believe? What's our excuse for not believing? Let us ask the Lord to give us this childlike faith today so that we may look upon the Good Shepherd and trust Him and receive the virtue of hope from Him.